This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. On the eve of the 2022-23 Maple Leaf season, the band is back together. Woohoo! Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo, Jen Rolnick, and yours truly coming off wedding, honeymoon, and now back to work, our very own. Sammy. <laughs> Gentlemen, how are we? I can only imagine what your honeymoon was like. <laughs> you, your bride. Yes. Sunburns. And your phone checking scores. <laughs> I, you were concerningly in touch, to be honest. No, honest, I was very good, boys. I put the phone away for most of the days that didn't involve the Blue Jays. So there's two days that involved the Blue Jays, obviously, Friday, okay. Saturday. So I had the phone in the room for the majority of the time, spending, you know, tons of time sitting there looking lovingly into my new bride Allison's eyes and just, you know, just so in love. But uh, after five days in an all-inclusive and being 10 days in fantasy land of wedding and all that stuff, I was ready to get back at it, boys. I'm thrilled to be here. I really am. As as an overall Toronto sports fan, Mm -hmm. for sure the humiliating Blue Jay loss is way easy easy for you to recover than what the Leafs say experienced in 2013 against Boston, correct? Okay. I really think what happened to the Blue Jays is worse than this. You do, eh? yeah. I do. I do. It's, no. It is. There, there was, it's almost the equivalent. It's the equivalent. But, it, but it's not an elimination game. Like, it's not a game seven. No, it's it was a wild elim- card. It was, the elim- it was an elimination game. It was I, the I, first round of the playoffs. It's yeah. the exact same scenario. They were at a similar point in the game. No, but if the Leafs do it in game five, not game seven, it's yeah, not I the guess. same. I just, I do think that I was very lucky to be in Mexico watching it. I was very disconnected from the city. Yeah. I didn't have to come on the radio and give takes about it. I didn't have to consume everything. Tapia popped out. I turned off the TV. I went for a nice dinner. I didn't think about it again until I touched down in Toronto. So I was very disconnected from it, which was great. And now I get ready to be connected to a team that will definitely not let me down. <laughs> There's just no way, no, boys, right? No. Here we go. <laughs> well, listen, uh, I, I told uh, JB, just get ready. At some point during the next two hours, we, we got to give you some marital advice. We've Uh-oh. been there. We've done it. We know what works, what doesn't. Remind me at the end of the show uh, or towards the end of the show, JB and I can give you some pointers, okay? Yeah, I, w- w- one of mine would have been don't uh, wait to ask the question for 13 years. <laughs> oh, but <laughs> oh, Save them, oh, would okay. you? It, it was actually 11, oh, but then sorry. there was there was two years of COVID. There yeah. we go. And and plenty of uh, talk coming up this hour uh, with the Leafs opening night lineup. John Tavares, Leafs captain, ready to go. Plenty to get into in greater detail. But guys, uh, off the bat, major development with Hockey Canada as they overhaul their leadership team. Hockey Canada announcing that uh, the board of directors uh, and the important changes led with the departure, the immediate departure of CEO Scott Smith to start 
Is this simply, guys, money talks, BS walks? Yes, it is simply that. It's uh, stepping down en masse, the board of directors. It, it had to happen, and I don't understand why we had to get to the point where funding was pulled and you know it was a national story the prime minister's weighing in i don't understand it was so obvious that it had to happen that things were so messed up internally that it had to so uh, yeah I'm, this is the first step in the right direction you got to tear it down to build it better so i, I listen i just don't know where like who's in i have no idea who's in charge or what's running hockey canada or what it looks like on the inside right now Every major sponsor has left. I think Nike Bauer was the final straw. I mean, they lose that. That's been one of their partners forever. That's, you know, it's a major one. Yeah. I just don't know what the next steps are. I don't know who who's making the decisions for the next step. Like the board, you see the board gets cleaned out. That whole part of it is very confusing to me. Do you guys have any information? Like, where do they An go? Interim management committee will, will be, be put, put in, place. in place by, by, by the committee that just got booted out. Is that right? Or who else? I, that's literally Sammy's question, and I have no answer. I don't, it has to be. So before they leave... They say, these people make yes. the decisions. It's my, it's my brother. Is, is that brother. right? I don't know. I don't know. why. Well, what else you do? You, shouldn't you, if everyone walks away, is it like a squatter's rights? The first I, person to sit down becomes should, the board? Shouldn't like, an interim management committee be brought together other than the people that you're kicking out well i just don't i don't even know who if that's the case it does seem a little off I, I would think that they would if from my perspective if they were doing it right it would be that they would hire like an like a you know an independent arbiter or somebody to like an, somebody that would do that kind of thing that would oversee it and kind of pick the right people that they would think would be it's a really hard thing to do it's a hard to quantify what hockey canada is in terms of a, a overall Beast. board or whatever it is but you'd think that the people that are on the way out wouldn't be making the decisions about people coming back in. I am curious what they're going to find, Kipper. Like, whoever takes over, like, I presumably they have access to the books and what's, what it's looked like, and there's going to be a review process. So you would think it's going to take a long time. Hasn't, to, hasn't that already been done the last few months? By themselves, though? Like, there's new eyeballs and hopefully fresh yeah. parties. with. And then you just go back to that uh, Andrew Skinner on tape talking about uh, who's going to turn the lights on. Yeah. Like yeah, that, that lights, one to me on? absolutely was the nail in the coffin. Whoever like, decided to put her on. Wow. What a disaster she was. Passively threatening the country for something that, you know, has existed for, I don't know how long we've been playing hockey, 100, 150 years. Yeah, as long as the game has persisted. It's just such a weird, it was such an unappealing, just an awful threat to Canadians that we need them. No, we don't need you. We don't need you at all. It's, it's incredible, the fall of Hockey Canada, that once powerful yeah. hockey machine. That's what happens when you try to cover things up and you don't just do the right thing. Well, but, how about starting with cutting a, a settlement, a deal without the knowledge of the players? Just like, think about like that for a second. Three weeks after an accusation, just be like, here's millions. Go you, away. You've been accused of something, but we're, we're not even going to tell you about it. I didn't know that was the case, even Kipper. Oh, I, yeah. I didn't know that they didn't know that that was yeah. how it went yeah, down. Yeah, they didn't know. Yeah. You think of the power of Hockey Canada, though. Like, you look at the top-rated sporting events of the last, I don't know, 10 years, a lot, like, or the last 25, 30 years, 
most of them are big Canada hockey games. Like Canada hockey, not Hockey Canada, but Canada hockey, it still means the most. And they're the, they're the party there. You wear their logo on the front of your jersey when you play in, in events. Like, is there a world where there's a whole new thing? You know, like, 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 like yeah. Trudeau, what did he say? He said Canada hockey, right? Instead of hockey Canada, like, is there a whole new overarching program that takes what, it over? What percentage of junior hockey players have a hockey Canada too, uh, tattoo in Canada? I wonder. It's a like ten percent. A very it's like, big it's one. It's insane. That's yeah. that that emblem has become or had become yeah. a symbol of what we were. Is what people identified yeah. as Canadian hockey players were proud to wear that you know red, white, and black of hockey Canada. Till this thing gets cleaned up, it's long sleeve shirts then. <laughs> And, and Bermuda shorts. Sandfield's <laughs> undergear under, at all seasons. A lot of no, blue and blue. No showing that tattoo anymore for a while. No. 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 It's, I, I saw a guy at the Mexican resort wearing this, strutting around with his Hockey Canada hat. I was like, oh, boy. Ah. Read the room. <laughs> I have one. Yeah. I have a Hockey Canada hat. Is he wearing an Ian Cole jersey? I just, nah, didn't, I, just didn't, I just didn't decide to not do that. You know? I have right. a, a Soccer Canada hat. There's yeah. nothing wrong with them. All good. Yeah, we'll see. In about 35 minutes, we're going to welcome back Craig Simpson, a, a regular contributor last season, did a terrific job breaking down many of the games. So we'll get him on later on this hour. In the next hour, Steve Aliquette, analyst for the New York Rangers on MSG. Of course, the Rangers, uh, their season opens up against the Tampa Bay Lightning. JB, you, na- you dropped the name Ian Cole. Fortunately, that's... A rather uh, big developing story as well. So let's get let's get that out of the way right now. Well, you know how I feel about it. There's not much to say. I feel no, like there's no. I know I, you all. There's, there's a ton to say uh, here. To, to me, it's he's having a conversation with the league. Yes. They're going to find out tomorrow his version of. He will be in New York with his agent and his lawyer, and Gary Bettman and Bill Daly, and it should be reminded that he is, has not been suspended by the National Hockey League. Gary Bettman has not suspended him. This was strictly Tampa Bay Lightning's call to mm. suspend him. So can I advance this story a little bit for you? Yes, please do, because to me it's like, let's just sit here and wait and see what happens. And that's that's basically the question here. What happens here? Mm-hmm. And... To start, they can't find her. They don't know who she is. And my understanding is that when the post first came out, it was first news to Tampa Bay Lightning, Ian Cole, and the National Hockey League. Mm -hmm. All they have going into... Our show is that post. No. That's it. That can't be right. I refuse to believe. Really? I got it from a very good source. Very good source. That, unless something dramatically happens and she steps up or someone steps up to validate He could be in the lineup by the weekend. So at that point, 
you know, is there some hard feelings on Cole's behalf towards Tampa Bay? Is that kind of what you're driving towards here? Am I? I think there's, if, if in fact, again, I don't know mm-hmm. whether or not someone does step up, whether facts become important here in, in the next little while. But if nothing comes of this and no one steps up and, 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 and claims this, then some serious looks in the mirror have to happen mm. by everybody here, mostly the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like it's interesting because you could understand why someone in the accuser's shoes wouldn't want to put themselves, you know, they may not want to be public. They may not want to be a part of this conversation and live through it and all that. And they just want to make that accusation and go away. But I understand that that's not the appropriate way to handle things either. If they want to make that accusation, because for Cole, it's like, okay, well, how do I handle this against what it sets up now is uh, now 750 guys sitting going, can anybody do this to me? Mm-hmm. Can can anybody step forward right now and and put something on a post without any proof, without with an anonymous anonymous name? I just don't think that's and- going to happen, though, Nick. I just don't see there being this like wave of accusations from people looking to knock so and so out of the lineup and for gambling purposes, like you mentioned the other day. Like I, oh no, you think of that? I can, I can, I can see it. Yeah, I can tell you just from my experience of talking to people on the inside, how many have, uh, in in various degrees, from bad business deals to jilted. Yeah, people. There's been payoffs. There's been shakedowns. Yeah, it's not uncommon in professional sports to have someone say, "If you don't want this public, if you don't want this public, if you if you if you want it to go away." I mean, do you remember Yager a few years ago lying in bed with that girl? Yeah. And she right. He was and like, "I'm like, proud of this." Uh, out excuse there. me. <laughs> I'm single. Yeah. Right? I, wasn't she like 19 or something? She was like, I'm going to put this on the internet. And he was like, please do. Do you know how many times that happens to guys? Yeah. So that's just, that's it. Are you telling me right now if someone decides to take a run at Sidney Crosby for whatever reason and posts something, Pittsburgh's suspending him? No, they're not. Okay, so th- doesn't Ian Cole deserve or any other player deserve the same treatment until there is proof to get on the same page as you here proof to get on the same page as you here like if this woman decides to come forward and say it was me and go through with the whole thing the point you're making will still stand should you be able to suspend a player for an anonymous accusation which is i think right is that that's the point yes does she take a chance that she steps up keeps her name out of it and still provides the information and, and the proof that the National Hockey League or Tampa can be comfortable enough with, yes, that, that scenario could still happen. But that would be separate from the greater point. Should you be able to suspend a yes. player for an anonymous accusation? Correct. Yeah. And again, uh, they're meeting tomorrow. If in the next few days 
It's status quo. And I can tell you also that like, the NHL is trying hard to, to, to find this person. Mm-hmm. They really are. Yeah. I mean, there's things that you could still do, and uh, there's forensic uh, details maybe. They can pick something up off of uh, – I don't know, but they're 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 really trying IP to search. And yeah, whatever else they're they're trying. Yeah, they're taking it very seriously. But if we're still in the same boat, come Friday, yeah, he should play Saturday. Yeah, I think I I agree with that. Yeah, no, it's there's got to be more to it than just that. So interesting conversation that i didn't think we needed to have that you were right that i'm glad we did have you win one nothing kipper on the air we're always <laughs> looking for ways to advance stories on this show you know that i know i know i didn't know you had anything all right sammy yeah that interesting stuff there kept what do you, you guys, think you're you guys just sounded great i don't i didn't have anything to add you guys sounded great had a good conversation on it so good what producing you, what do you think of your opening night lineup and the fact that uh say a guy like nick robertson sitting there going Okay, um, I'm not in the lineup, really. What else do you want from me? Well, I mean, it's they got four dollars against the cap, and they got an emergency recall. We so, all know, we all know why. So if yeah. if Dubis goes out this morning and buys, say, Austin a a Starbucks, do they lose the four dollars? Depends if he gets foam yes. or not, or extra foam or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't even get like a regular coffee at Starbucks, <laughs> like three fifty. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's the pretty impressive work. The Vancouver Canucks hit their LTIR everything to the dollar. Yeah, zero dollars left. They are maxed out, which is pretty impressive stuff. Which is why uh, Aston Reese's contract is eight hundred and forty thousand six hundred and thirty dollars. They they got him down as close as they could, every dollar they could, save for the four. John Tavares deemed himself healthy. Side contusion. He's okay. Could it also be that he's looking at Montreal's defense tomorrow night and going, that's ah, just about the easiest three points I'll ever get. <laughs> he's going to go out there, play 15 <laughs> minutes, no shots, and get two assists just by being present on the team that night, one of those nights. I don't know. It's an interesting uh, interesting story with him. Hurt, time off, and then, yeah, good to go for opening night. I think it's a good thing. I, I, they're forward group, boys. It's a hockey team. I know I'm going to get some pushback from Kipper on this, but uh, they, their forward group is so good. Yeah, I, I, I bunting Matthews I do, Marner. I do look at this um, reset, and based on a couple of changes, and and you know if if Austin Reese can can hold his own, if uh, Kubel can hold his own. And they can just stay together and have that consistency of not bouncing around and questioning in my what my, is our fourth in line? My skilled is it, yeah. night? Is it a skilled night? Is it a, a bump and grind night? Is it drop your glove night? But whatever it is, we're gonna be ready and we're gonna we're, we're gonna stay together. And the look that we have in late October or November will be consistent with the look that we're going into game one in the playoffs. I think it's got a chance. Mm-hmm. I, I do too. I mean, the, the third and fourth line. So yeah, let's just look at the four lines quick. I'll bang them out. Bunting, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, Mulgan, Engvall, Kerfoot, Yarncroc, Aston Reese, Camp, Abe, Kubel. That fourth line I love. 
love, love, love from a defensive standpoint. Long, rangy, physical. I guess the only question you don't love is that no one can punch anyone. If there's a punchy match, like Jake Muzzin is the only guy I can look at the lineup who fights at all. But that's a minor concern. That's not going to stop you from getting uh-huh. they should 110, just go to that old kind of you punch me, you, you punch everybody on the ice because we're all getting into the pile. Yeah, they're going to have to. It's the right? only option. That to me is fighting by committee. We need yeah. committee, committee fighting. We need Austin Matthews to like cross check some more people just in the throw neck. A glove in there, a face wash, you know, <laughs> a, 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 a bear hug. You know, do we need guys going toe to toe? Like Wayne Simmons still could show that he can do that, but I don't think there's anybody in the lineup that you can say is ready to do this on the even once a month. That's no. a big ask. Riley Brody, Muzzin Hall, Giordano Sandin. Literally only Muzzin on the team. But whatever. Is whatever. There, That's so secondary to does, the hockey team. Does Mulgan have a chance here with Tavares and Nylander to just save his career right or get or at least start it maybe well let's do this what does it look like what does a successful season look like for dennis mulligan what is the best case scenario for him well does he stick with Tavares all season long so that's it i think you know like if he looks incredible at bringing the puck up the ice he sets up Tavares the way that mitch marner had set up Tavares here and there he gets what 50 points setting up Tavares, playing on the second power play unit Okay, timeout here. Am I 50? Timeout. No, no, no. He lost me at second power play. Now, there is no second power play. There is <laughs> Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, Riley. They will suck up yeah. all two minutes if they have to. There are no second units anymore. I got news for you. The stars. Suck it all up. For Mulligan to get 50 points, he's going to have to get 45 of them. Even strength. Even strength. That's an Alex Kerfoot season. And yeah, I don't see that. I don't see it. So, I mean, he was incredible in preseason, right? Oh, the the dash for the goal against Detroit. You were bringing the puck up the ice. With looks on the power play. Yeah. But those, those dry up with the stars. They do. They'll take it, whatever they need. I think he remember can help when, them remember early, early in the season. And Babcock would like have a, almost have a clock on him at 55, 60. They're scrambling to get to the bench. Yeah, you won't you won't come close to seeing that look Old this Kiefer's season. He's not doing that. No. No. So that that that's it in a nutshell is that, you know, Mulgan, uh Yarncrock, can they get their 5 on 5 points? Yeah, because they're not, your, to your point, not getting yeah. power play time. Yarncroft, interesting case. A lot of people think of him This got some offensive touch. He scored two in a preseason game, whatever. And his career high in goals is 16. His career high in points is 35. He's not an offensive player. You know, he's a, he'll get you 10, 12, 13, 14. Which he did last year in uh, Seattle, did he not? He had 11? 11. Yeah, something like that. You know what he had in Calgary in 17 games? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> he played 12 playoff games and he had one. So in... 29 games of the Flames he scored once. To me, the biggest difference is the bottom half pace on this team. Yeah. 
Like, you think of last year, how many times we come on the air and talk about how slow the fourth line looked. Yeah. Remember, we were talking about with Simmons. We talked about with Spezza. We yeah. talked about how they looked tired. They looked slow. Foot speed was Foot a speed. major issue. And to me... Yeah, Ave Kubel's 26. Aston Reese is 28. Yeah, they're just... And they skate. And, like, I know, like, they, you know... Aston Reese hits a little bit, and you know what Camp, you know what Camp will bring you. You know what Abe Kobel bring you. He runs people around a little bit too. To me, it just looks different, and it gives them a nice, different look. But I, I, I don't necessarily disagree that there aren't enough punchies, but it's okay. Yeah. Other than uh, UJB and our good buddy Sammy, the other star of the show all season uh, last year, our boy Sheldon Keefe. Keefer. So let's go uh, to our first Kippers Clipper. Of the season, officially. Officially. With the full roster. Mm-hmm. I'm not counting the exhibition games we had. Uh, the exhibition shows we had. Yeah, the <laughs> exhibition shows that we had. Those were lame. This is now the real deal. <laughs> we back. We back. Thank you. Uh, Sheldon keeps comments on the depth oh. on the third and fourth line. Uh, all right. Oh, we don't have a clip about that, Kipper. My first clip of the regular have, that season. That never existed. We didn't talk about it? it. He's talking about, was he not talking about Tavares? and Ta- Willie and Tavares? For yeah. sure we got a clip on that. Let's play that. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Two very good players. I mean, it's that that's really what it comes down to. I don't know if there's a whole lot to point to in terms of chemistry or anything like that, but I just think it's two very good players. Uh, you know, you've got John, who's very good down low in the offensive zone. you got Will, who's very, very good and very dangerous on the rush and can bring the puck up the ice. Uh, so I think there's some complimentary pieces there, but they're just two very good players, and they've had you know, a series of different people play with them over time, and uh, you know they've had to adapt and adjust to that, but uh, really, to me, it comes down to the two individual players and how they're pre- performing and how they're thriving, and uh, both guys have a pretty good sense of where their game is at and what they need to do, so that gives me confidence as a coach that they're going to you know, be ready. I'm, what does he get out of that? I'm dying. I'm dying laughing at ah, as far as chemistry is not much to point to, but what do yeah, you want us to, what do you want us to do? They have zero. We all know it. Everybody involved at the Leafs, everyone who watches the Leafs, they have zero chemistry. But and like, they always have. To his point, it's like, what do you want me to do? Uh, put one of them on the third line? No. Yeah. Separate Matthews and Marner? No. So this is what you get. What do you want? Ad- uh, adapt and adjust. Yeah, because they've had a different winger. So he's like, yeah, they both do good things. Mulligan, they don't have to do it together. Mulligan tomorrow night, maybe Mulligan not around next week, or Nick Robertson in there for a- sure. Adjust and adapt. Like if you're gonna have Robertson or Mulligan, let Robertson get his reps and find himself. I think that guy's gonna be relevant for the Leafs this year, whether it's you know he gets hot and becomes a guy who matters, or he's a guy they decide to trade. Like Robertson's going to be a guy for this team so, in some way. I think he has to play really well to crack this lineup, though. Like he has to come out guns a blazing. You look like Malgin, like you said, had a good preseason. If he starts well, like there's not a ton of spots well, for him to crack into, boys. Nick Robertson is not on the Leaf roster tomorrow night because they were worried that Malgin would get claimed. Yeah, Robertson's waiver exempt, yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You, at least you cover your bases. It's safe. As we said on our last preseason show, you know, it, the opening night roster is not the roster. It's the second game of the season that's the real roster, which is weird. But that's just the way it is with everyone jamming around the salary cap. Nylander, can, under these circumstances where he's constantly uh, asked to adapt and adjust, is it... Uh, is the number 40 now 
at this point of his career is should be attainable. Did you see him shooting the puck in preseason right? and in the Sonnet commercials? I think he has particle accelerator technology in his hockey stick this year. He's, he really is shooting it, though. Is it realistic? Uh, 40 goals on, uh, on, on a line when you don't know who your, your winger is going to be maybe night to night? Yeah, I would not say it's out of the question. I mean, I think he can get He'll, he'll be 36, 7, 8. Each, damn, he is well, shooting. He went, he's, uh, he's had two 30-goal seasons. Mm-hmm. Right, thirty-one, and I think last year thirty-four. 34. Last year, yeah. So you assume that he's still getting better. He's still getting stronger. It, it, he's entering some real prime years now. He's a man. He's in his prime. He's entering dude. his primey prime here. Yeah. He's what is he? Twenty-six, twenty-seven. Yeah, like, like right now is when he can should he, be scoring. Can the he most. get forty if Tavares stays at another, say, seventy? 75 points? I think or so. Or does Tavares need to get to 90 for him to get to 40? Or I don't know. I think Willie's Will, Willie with the same Tavares as last year. I think he could get there. You know one thing that caught my eye when I was looking at the big the four players, the core four forwards, their stats last year, they didn't miss much hockey. You know, like Nylander played 81, Tavares played 79, Matthews and Marner missed 9 and 10 games respectively. Like What do you say? They're due for Well, I am injury? saying that, actually, yeah. You know, like, they were lucky to have everyone all season. Riley played 82. Brody played 82. You know, if you go through the lineup, Camp played 82. Kerfoot played 82. Like, I mean, the, the Engvall was 79. Like, they're, they're, they were pretty healthy last year. So I am curious to see if what, you know, if they get lucky again this year. It's very important to be that healthy, obviously. So what's the biggest concern? With the Toronto Maple Leafs? Uh, uh, less questions uh, between the net. Probably than before training camp. I guess, but yeah, that's where it lies, right? I can't believe anybody would look at this team and be confident. Do you think, Kipper, that anyone would say confident things about their goaltending in a one-minute long clip? There's, after every, <laughs> everything that they've experienced the last, what, six seasons in the playoffs, like, that's just not in the equation. Jack would have, Jack could have resigned and it, people would still be questioning this. Yeah. There's that, no... that's, that's where you are as a, as a Leaf fan right now is that, yeah, give me, give me anybody you want outside of Vasilevsky and, uh, and uh, Shesterkin in New York, and we'll, we'll question anything here. Toughness, we'll, te- uh, we'll question depth, we'll question uh, an old blue line, a beat-up blue line, and, and goaltending. That's... That's where we are at for 82 games this season. But you know who isn't worried about it? Sheldon Keefe of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's listen to Sheldon. You know why? That, that's when I when I referred uh, previously. I think it was the other night. I re- referred to the optimism that I came into the season with. Um, we were well aware of the you know the fact that both guys we needed to really help get on track. But when I looked at the talent and, and experience, definitely to me, I, I would put it that way. I mean, obviously we've. And we've had guys with ability here in, in the past, but I, I look at Murray's time in the league and his accomplishments and the experience that he has in winning the Stanley Cups and being a part of great teams and and Samsonov, you know, high first round pick and uh, you know performed as a starting goalie in the playoffs last year. You know, so you got you get two guys that I think uh, really give us confidence there, and you know, we had to really work with them to get them feeling good coming through the offseason into training camp and 
they've delivered on everything we've asked of them. Now things are going to step up to another level, and uh, we got to do our part as coaches and as a team in front of them to, to protect them and, and give them every opportunity to, to succeed. We haven't heard Sammy's take on the goalies. Sammy? <laughs> Sammy on Sammy. We got a new Sammy in town. Do. I do love that he calls him Sammy. Yeah. I Listen, I think we said it at the end of last year. I mean, this may surprise you and Kipro will make fun of me, but I, I am far more optimistic than most about Matt Murray's chances to be a good starting goalie. I'm again. thrilled. Bingo. <laughs> I'm optimistic. Wow. I have to tell you right now that I am optimistic about it. I, I am too. Wow. Yeah, I am too. Uh, well, how uh, much? How much worse could it be than Murray? Uh, than than Jack Campbell for? Care. I'm not sixty percent of the year last year. You don't accidentally win two Stanley Cups, and I get it that he struggled the last few he's years. Really hurt. It's two Stanley Cups. Yeah. At a high level. Who else can say that? It is the experience that Sheldon Keefe was talking about. You know, it's. It's impossible, though, Kipper, to look at that and discount what's happened since and how he's played since. I know. So I get it. I get that, too. I get it. And I do think to your both of you guys talking about Murray and feeling better about it than we did when the deal happened, I see it. I see a world where Matt Murray goes out and he's a, whatever, 9-08, and that's better for the Leafs than what they've had. That'd be great. And for what I've, what I've seen from him... In the uh, in the preseason, he's just massive. He's a big guy. Like he looks, he looks like he's got the the, the uh, Sean Burke equipment on. Like yeah. remember that back? Was it Sean Burke when he's on the Flyers and he had yes. like the the wood in his shoulder pads? They were huge. Yeah. No, it wasn't Sean. Oh yeah, Gar Snow. Yeah, Gar Snow too. They're all big boys. Yeah, but I just remember the 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 big shoulder pads, and he kind of just he looks big. He looks more like a traditional goalie than Jack Campbell well, did. I'll and, say that. And he a, a goalie that. We'll play the percentages that when his timing's on. He's a blocker. He's gotta, a blocker. He's a good shot to beat he's him. He's not going to exert too much energy. He's going to be efficient. The only thing is, guys, is uh, can he stay healthy? Sammy and I were discussing an over-under for games played for him this year. He's the starting goalie. There are 82 games in the season. Yeah. Over the past two years with Ottawa, he yeah. played 47 games, I think. 42, 47, 47. Yeah. So is he going to play 47 this year? Sammy set the bar like 35 or something. What do you think? Over or under 41 and a if half If he games. plays 35, they aren't winning the division and they're not challenging for uh, a top spot in uh, in the standings. Well, yeah, because uh, then, it's you're, that simple. then you're looking at Samsonov and Shalgren as your duo and they're not going to play Samsonov every night. So now you're looking at Shalgren getting what eight starts this year? I mean, I think I still expect Shalgren to Shalgren to play. I don't know why because one of them's hurt or one of them stinks. I think because one of them's hurt and one of them stinks at the same time, or there's a back to back. Like he, the third Leafs goalie is going to play hockey matches this year. No doubt, no doubt about it. I think the sweet I spot. Think, I think if that happens, uh, there's. Probably some real worrisome uh, issues. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think as long as Samsonov can come in and uh, is hold his own, I, I would have I gone right off the bat and said, Matt Murray's my guy, and, uh, and we're going to get – we're looking for him at 
55. Yeah. 55. The other guys. 27. 27. I don't know how they, I don't know how they built up or, or at least brought Samsonov uh, in for a mindset. But if you're Samsonov, even if they tell you you're going 50-50 or you're sorry, even if they tell you you're only playing a quarter of the games, you go, okay, well, that guy stunk for this long and he's been hurt all the time. So well, I expect they, to play 40. Uh, I don't know games. if, uh, it really sounds like they did paint a picture that you guys are equals and you'll fight for it uh, in training camp to to get, you know, the season started. Or you will continue. I think Dubas did mention that they would they would look like they're almost playing every other night mm-hmm. or every other game, that they'd alternate almost. He gave the impression that Samsonov is got a legit shot at taking the net over. I'm less confident in Samsonov, particularly after talking to Kevin Woodley and him saying that, like, you may not see the best of him for a couple months, Sam. You didn't hear that, but Woodley was saying that he thinks that there's a couple adjustments he needs to make. He's at a point in his career where he would be willing to make them. You know, the early part of the season may not be his best, but six weeks in was what Woodley said. He expected better out of Samsonov. And Dubis mentioned something about Matt Murray. I think maybe it was at the... I forget when it was, but he said that he works best in a... Comp- I don't know if it was Dubis. Somebody said it with the team that he works best within a competitive scenario, mm-hmm. right? Like, you think of when he was with Mur- with Flurry is when he played his best hockey, when he was fighting to be the starting goalie there and he played his best. That he's the type of guy that needs somebody to push him a little bit, and maybe that's sort of the idea behind not necessarily handing it to him as the uh, starter. But... I don't know about that. But they start. he's starting the opener... Like, that right. is a pretty clear sign of who they think the starting goalie is. You put him in the first game against the Habs on the they big night of the year. They always thought that. For sure. I mean, you listen to to Sheldon talk about his 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 experience and his uh, winning and, and what he loves about him. I didn't get that sense that they were saying that right at the beginning of training camp. No? No. Yeah. You know, they they really do love the people they know. Like, they've had this guy, right? They are... They've coached him and they've been successful with him to a certain degree in junior. Like they, he has, they want him to succeed, right? They have made a big bet on them. And this is how it goes in pro sports. When you draft a player, you are incentivized to give that player more opportunity than a walk on because it makes you look better if they succeed. This is the same with Matt Murray. The Leafs are incentivized for him to be successful because it makes them look smart. I did touch on uh, the second power play unit on whether they'll get decent looks or not but one guy that we do believe that will get a decent look on the power play albeit maybe at times uh, the first power play unit we'll see how that plays out is uh giordano mm-hmm. uh, let's go to sheldon keefe on his comments on what's perceived as a, a second power play unit yeah and i think you will continue to see different people at different times there but you know in, in geo's case you know he's obviously got a lot of experience there and we really liked what he brought to that unit when he came in last season he's a little more willing to shoot the puck from the top and does a good job there or does a good job there of doing that uh, particularly on the second unit when they get out they don't have a lot of time so having a little more of a of a shot mentality there is important i think whether it's you know him uh, taking uh, turns with Rasmus and flipping that around a little bit or them playing together, which will have 2D on the ice at different times. You know, we want to use both, but I think there's a little different skill set and certainly different experience. A little more willing to shoot the puck. Than who? Than who? (laughs) 
<laughs> I love that you picked that up too. Then who? Yeah. Just say it. Is it Dan Riley? Is uh, it I guess hundred percent Morgan Riley. It's hundred percent. I, I thought I was thinking maybe he meant Sandine when they're choosing their PP two guy. But, I mean, Sandine wristed one in the net uh, against the Red Wings from yeah. the point. Like uh, it's Riley. Riley never shoots the puck oh, in the fireplace. That poor. Poor Morgan Riley. He just don't want him he just, there. <laughs> like he's he fine. Just, he's the best we have. Like it, it started two two seasons ago in the playoffs when they took Sandine and and put him in the, the number one spot to go against. Uh, uh, I've yeah, lost yeah. track. Columbus. Columbus. Yeah, it was Columbus. Columbus. <laughs> I'm like Montreal, Washington. No, Boston. no, it was Montreal. Hey, it was. <laughs> it was Montreal. It was Montreal. Yeah, yeah it Sandine. was Montreal. Yeah. And then no. last year they put Gio in against uh, no, Tampa was, Bay. No, no, he's right. It, it was, was two Columbus seasons ago. Sandine's been around that long? Yes. yes. Yeah, he Nicholas has. Roberts had also played in that series. Yes. I remember that. That was a... He scored. And, oh, God. <laughs> I, and then they went yes, back to did. him. And you, you've got the sense that they're, they're already really not happy about Morgan on the number one power play because he, you read between the lines. It's like Morgan doesn't shoot the puck. This guy's willing to shoot the puck yeah. more. I'm just not telling you more than who. <laughs> well, he, uh, interesting that he's mentioned putting him out there with Sandine. The whole time I'm thinking, I wonder if Lilligren is in this mix. Is he a guy that they're going to give some look? So I do think that power play two spot is going to be kind of a revolving door. Uh, like you said, Kipper, they're going to get out there for 28 seconds. And also we're getting the, the break sign. So we'll save our, save our other Kipper's Clippers for the end of the show. I... I... I think it's probably a little intimidating even for Morgan to know that a guy like Austin's there, no different than Ovi, Mm -hmm. no different than Stamkos. Yeah. And there is one tendency, I think, for Morgan is to to probably look at that a little too quickly. I I get it. Best shooter in the league, you know? Yeah. But he is paralyzed to me. Like, I always say this. He dusts it for like half a second too much. Either move it or shoot it. So all I want to see from Morgan Riley. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Craig Simpson, former NHLer, two-time Stanley Cup champion, and a real good friend of the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. Also in the second hour, Steve Valiquette to tee up Rangers and Tampa Bay. Goalies. And we will close out today's segment with giving Sammy some marital advice. <laughs> <laughs> We're also going to do Stanley Cup picks. Oh, my God. Please do Stanley Cup picks. (laughs) That and more after the break. Joining us now, Craig Simpson, Hockey Night in Canada analyst. He gets ready for the season opener between the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hey, Simmer, where were these short, like half a dozen exhibition game training camps when we played? (laughs) Well, definitely the short days. I remember the two days to start were always a killer. And, you know, they didn't care how long they kept you out there and get you back out on the ice again. So I don't, I don't miss those at all. I, I don't know about you, Nick, but you always had a little bit of a pit in your stomach going in and knowing that you had to do the physical testing and then get on the ice. And so, uh, yeah, I don't miss that at all. Uh, and looking at today's player, you know, I, I think – you look at five, maybe six games maximum uh, throughout a training camp. I mean, some of the teams playing eight games and that, I, I just think it's a little too much. Um, <laughs> but no question the guys are so prepared and they're ready to go 
you know, almost from day one that they get here. We were just dying for the regular season to start <laughs> so we <Yeah>. could rest. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Get back to normal. Get back bit. to yeah. normal. That sounds delightful. Well, Simmer, first off, I would say thanks for joining us again this year. We loved having you on last year, so appreciate you coming on. Um, and, and just to get your thoughts on what value, then, do you put in these preseason games? Because I'm watching them, and I see Nick Robertson and Mulgan are great, and Yarn Croc shoots yeah. two in the net, and, you know, reminds me of Nick Ritchie last year at a great preseason. How much value can you put in these preseason games? You know what? It's an important step for guys who are trying to prove something to the coach and trying to show that they've they've had development, they've put the work in in the summer. I think for younger guys, like you just mentioned there, and even Malgan trying to come back to the NHL, you know, you needed that training camp to send the message that, you know, I'm serious about it. I'm a confident player. I've had growth uh, in the off season. I I'm able to do things that maybe I didn't do. I'm learning from what you, you know, sort of left me on an exit meeting for a guy like Robertson. Um, but you know, I, I think every year it's a mixed bag because you've got some veterans who literally just want to touch the puck and get back into the feeling of games and you don't put too much stock in it. I, I know for me personally, you know, the biggest thing you're coming into a season, if you're supposed to be a goal scorer is, um, you know, being ready to start fast and get off to a good offensive start. As you know, guys like Matthews and Mariner and Nylander will be thinking that. I, I always felt I hated wasting them in, in preseason. You know, I, I think one of my worst starts um, in the regular season came off of preseason. I think I played five games and I had 17 points or something. <laughs> and it was like, you just, it was almost like, oh no, like I've just wasted them at the wrong time. So I just think every player has in his mind, you know, you look at the veteran guys like Matthews Marner and Riley and that playing three games, that, that's all they really needed. And that last game, you know, the way that they moved the puck around on the power play, that, that was a great example of what you want to get out of a play, out of a preseason game to get yourself ready. So uh, I do think that it's important for those younger guys to have an impact. But let's face it, you know, what you did in the preseason is, is a blank slate now. It, it's The regular season start will be different. Uh, I always said, Nick, you probably saw it too. Every, every preseason and training camp, you always had, we used to call it a September sweetheart. You know, someone the coaches really wanted to do well and gave them every opportunity and they had a good preseason. And so often you find we always laugh they'd be nowhere in November. Like, they'd be gone. And uh, that's the reality of the NHL. You get through the first couple of weeks of October and get into November, and it's like, oh, man, this is nothing like that training camp and nothing like that preseason. And and that's really going to be the test, especially for a guy like Malgan, who has looked really good, but can he play that when it's a, a regular season game? I think it'll be interesting to watch. Let it be known on this show that uh, Mulligan's our September sweetheart. He's someone's. I don't know about ours. <laughs> so I, I think he was. He, he checked all the boxes. Yeah, a hundred percent. And we just had this conversation prior to coming um, to you. Is what is realistic for Mulligan? If he is in a position where he's probably seeing sixty percent, seventy percent, maybe in a a top six position, can yeah. he get forty? 50 points with this high octane offense of guys like Tavares and Nylander. And more importantly, Craig, can he get it uh, with real limited time on a, on a power play? Because we know the big boys right. will suck the majority of that, 
of that power play yeah. up. No, I think the key for him is, you know, what he did show, which he needed to, was A, you know, he went back to Switzerland, got 21 goals and 19 goals the year before. So he got his confidence back. And I think that's key. You know, so many guys get beaten up a little bit at the NHL level and have to find what they had before that level, which was real confidence in your offensive game and confidence with the puck, like his goal that he got in that last game. But the challenge here will be in something that, you know, he hasn't shown at the NHL level that he can play at that high level pace every single night. And when you're all of a sudden the top six forward, that's what, that's what probably slaps you in the face more than anything else is I'm going up against either a top D pairing or a second D pairing pretty much every time I'm going up against the top defensive line or even worse maybe the top offensive line that I have to work so hard to get the puck back and I got to play at a different level. That, that to me, uh, Nick, will be the biggest thing for him. You know, maybe less than what the production will come because if he, if he can play at that pace and at that level of intensity every night, I think with the guys that he potentially has a chance to play him with, he'll be able to, you know, trade pucks and get open and make some good plays to get some points. But let's face it, that's the drop-off of being an everyday, really, really good NHL player and a guy that goes in and out of the lineup or up and down the lineup. That, that, that's the hardest challenge to get to that level every single night. And that's what Sheldon Keefe, I'm sure, will be monitoring and looking at early on in this season uh, with the opportunity that he's getting. Simmer, when looking at their really good everyday players, John Tavares, the team captain, feels like he's at a bit of a crossroads right now. Like, you, you know, last season he kind of hung on, was a point-per-game guy. Um, yeah. You know, but it, it feels like, I don't know why it feels this way to me, like maybe he's in decline or it's slipping away. He still put up great numbers, so maybe that's not fair. But, you know, he's hurt and he's going to start game one. What are your thoughts on Tavares and heading into this season? Well, I think there's the example of a guy who's a seasoned pro. So, you know, he's not going to get too caught up in what everybody else thinks. He he knows from his body's perspective, that's first and foremost. You've got to start the season in a healthy mode. Don't come back too quickly where you're going to hurt yourself more and maybe miss an extra two or three or four weeks. Um, but that's the maintenance of a of a pro who knows – okay, I, I'm maybe not as fast as I was, so what do I have to do differently? And, you know, you know you're going to come under scrutiny, but if I'm John, you're looking and saying, Austin is the driver of the offense. You don't have to be the number one guy. Mitch Marner's the driver of the offense above him. Even Nylander now with 80 points, you know, is starting to get there. I just have to be my consistent role. I got to win draws like I can. I got to play solid in my own zone. You know, people talk about his year last year. You know, he's, what, 29, 30 years old or in his uh, 13th year, and he had 76 points. And the longest point drought he had was three games. So, you know, he had the old, didn't score in 14 games, but he contributed 10 assists during that time. So you can't overreact to that, and you definitely can't listen to anybody no offense, guys, but you can't listen no, no, to your show or, or do that. And I, I think that's what the, the sign of a pro is saying, my role is going to change a little bit. Does John Tavares need to be a 90-point player? I, I don't think so. But John can't have a, a fall-off where all of a sudden you can't put him out for a key face-off because he can't win a draw. Or next thing you know, he's at 40 points or 45 points. I mean, his point production, I didn't find a problem at all, especially – 
you know that the guys who are going to get those key moments and key um, minutes are going to be Matthews and Marner for, for sure, because they are the younger guys who are driving the game. And I, I think he's got enough smarts. He's a committed guy. Um, you know the body's going to change a little bit, so the speed maybe isn't going to be there. But if, if John Tavares is a 65 to 75, maybe even nudge up on a good year to, in, in the 80s, is that not good enough for the role that he plays? If he's winning big draws, if he's playing you know, a solid two-way game, if he chips in on the power play at times, doesn't even get a point, but he's a disruptor in front of the net or at key times, I, I think that's fine. You, you can't look at the contract or the numbers. you got to look at what you got to do to be continually to have an input and uh, impact on those games. We're joined by Craig Simpson, the voice of Hockey Night in Canada, as early as tomorrow night, Habs versus the, the Leafs on Sportsnet. Simmer, when we look at uh, the changes from the net out uh, yeah. to... Uh, reconstruction on the the depth lines. There are some people that think that the Leafs may struggle this year, that uh, they may be in a position where they might have to fight for a, a, a playoff spot. I don't see it, but yeah. are, are you surprised uh, to those that, that question this team? Well, I, I don't see it, but I, I think that's always sort of the, you know, the, the biggest, gamble risk whatever you want to call it is in goal and you know would you be would you be as concerned or worried even if jack campbell were back at least you kind of know what you got uh jack had you know his ups and downs uh during the year last year they were what 19th in goals again so it wasn't like they were you know had a record season uh which they did for wins and points with all defense you know if if the if the goaltending can be as good or even maybe a little bit better uh i don't see a real drop off for this team i i don't mind the mix you know you got a little different elements you lose maybe some of the speed and aggressiveness of Ilya mikhaev but you you've got some experience uh abe cabell aston reese you've got guys who can play roles and i think from sheldon keith's comfort uh, if he's looking at his lineup now, I go back, what, uh, two years ago or when he just first came in and go into like a playoff series, you didn't really have a definable lineup in those bottom nine where you really trusted guys. I think the fourth line is going to be a much harder line to play against, uh, can play a specific role. He's going to have a checking role and the top guys are going to be, you know, as they were, and, and hopefully they can continue to grow in their prime. But let's face it, you've got a bit of a gamble in Murray. I think Samsonov is one that is a huge wild card. I, I, I don't mind, you know, you got a young guy who's going to be motivated. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's bet on himself. He's only 27, which for a goaltender is, is young. And he's played 89 games in the NHL, and he's 30 games over 500. I mean, that that's the potential there for a guy to get into his prime and get an opportunity to play either every second night or, you know, maybe one out of four or maybe run with it for a little bit. Uh, I think that's going to be an interesting push to see how those two uh, play out in, in goal. But I, I think he's a potential one that might have one of those breakthrough seasons. 
Uh, Simmer, last question for me. I just wanted to get your thoughts on Rasmus Sandin. Uh, if you have any problem with his holdout and, and either way, sort of what you expect for him now that he is back and there's really not a spot for him on the left side. Yeah, I, I think he's going to have to be um, as interchangeable maybe as, as he's going to have to probably play the right sometimes. You might get him on the left a little bit. And I think he's been open to that, listening to talking and at least enjoying the opportunity to practice a little bit. You know, I, I did that one game where the injuries happened on the 28th, and I, I laughed because I said on the broadcast, if I'm Rasmus Sandin, I, forget about leverage points you have right now. I don't want to be sitting here watching a guy like Victor Mete take my spot and sitting out. Like, what are you doing now? The money's not going to be that much different with the injuries that happen. Now you've really put a strain on the team but also opened up a door that would have been maybe if he wasn't here, Victor Mete might be playing in your, in your spot. And you can't let that happen at this stage in your career. So the next morning to wake up and see that he signed it, I think was a smart play. You know, he got a game or two in, and, and now you hope that you're not behind. And this is going to be an important start for him because as guys get healthy, uh, there's going to be lots of competition. And this is an opportunity for him to prove that, you know, not only can he play, uh, but maybe he can play on the offside when he needs to. And, and that's a value that, as you know, as a defenseman, is just huge and something that Sheldon Keith, I, I think Keith likes him. And I think the opportunity to, to play significant minutes will be there. Now you hope that you've put the work in and, and you haven't missed too much so that you don't struggle early on in the season. One more for me too, Simmer. And I think you are the absolute perfect guy to ask this question because you were a top NHL pick as well. And just watching uh, the, the, the training camp and the development of Slavkowski, who went first pick overall, uh, general yeah. manager Kent Hughes called his training camp underwhelming, which I would have never used that word in a million years. Simmer. Yeah, that was a little hard, but yeah. But just I, yeah, just your thoughts on on what what do you do with him? And listen, starting for the Montreal Canadiens is a lot different than say starting as a first pick overall in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, no question. It's just like the microscope has been there from day one. I think, you know, his his at least outward personality shows you that he's got a lot of confidence. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that in a in a maybe mature way that he, he feels good about what he can accomplish. He feels confident coming in. You know that he's feeling more pressure than than maybe he's even letting on. But I, I, I think Marty, I was just listening to Marty St. Louis today and just they were asking him no power play uh, work for him today on any of the units. And Marty said the right thing. You know what? He's got to learn by watching the game right now. And he needs to use his energy on five on five to learn the game. And I thought, you know what? That That's a great sentiment. That's not a criticizing the first pick. It's saying, you know, I'm not just going to throw him and say he deserves the power play time when he's got a lot of other things to focus on right now. And I think that's going to be the thing. You manage your expectation. Uh, you try to protect him. But if anything about this kid is, you know, you look at his ability with the seven goals in the Olympics and great play at the Worlds and that, those big moments, you know, there are certain guys that uh, I hated playing exhibition games. I, I, I mean, just had a hard time 
if it's a loose game, you know, that's not where my skill was. And that was really hard to translate early on to try to make an impact. He might be that kind of player. When the games matter, maybe he's a guy that can bring his game to another level when he knows that he's got to play at his best. And I, I think it'll be a fun I mean, an anxious time for him, but a fun time to watch. And, uh, you know, there'll be a lot uh, of of attention on him. But I I think he's mature enough that he's going to be able to handle it okay. Should be fun as early as tomorrow night. Have a great call tomorrow night, Simmer. Take care, guys. Thanks so much. Craig Simpson, Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, I'm I'm just going to watch this real closely, including his body language. Slavkowski. Yes. Yeah. And he got. Better. I'm. I'm. A little, I'm nervous for him. Yeah, I am because it's the Montreal market, and yeah. you watch the last few years. Um, Hughes in New Jersey, uh, Caco, Lafreniere in New York, mm-hmm. all one and two overall picks, and how long it's taken them. Yeah. And just last year in playoffs, you're like, ooh, Lafreniere's coming. Will, will Montreal be in that position between now and Christmas? If he struggles as much as, say, uh, Kako did in New York. And let me tell you something. There was a point where Kako was like. On the block, right? Like they were, No, no. But prior, th- there were beliefs that he was going to come into the league and 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 almost look like Yager. Mm-hmm. And have that type of dominance, mm-hmm. the physical attributes that he had, and it's taken him a very long time it's to figure like it out. Almost like it's a very good league full of men. It sure is. And will the Montreal Canadiens ha- uh, fans will they have the same patience to wait <laughs> for a year, year Sorry, and a half? Yeah. And if he struggles. Uh, does he stay up? Does he go to Laval? Yeah, you know, it, I would have put him. I would have put him in Laval uh, to start. I'm with you. What What's so obvious to me is that they don't need him now, right? They don't need him to be good today. They're not trying to win hockey games this season. Presumably, they don't embarrass themselves, but they don't. They're not trying to make the playoffs. So, you know, let the kid. Go play at a level where he can touch the puck more, handle hey, it, feel good. Power play. play. Yeah. Power play. Give him power play off the bat in North America here. Yeah. Let, and, you know, I, I saw someone discussing it today, but you'd much rather a guy go to the American League and force your hand and say, we got to put this guy in the NHL. He looks great. Let's get him his nine games before Christmas and make his d- decision on him. Then to start him in the NHL and go, ah, he's struggling. Maybe he does need some time in the American League. You send him down. You know, now just his mindset, his trajectory is different. And I understand it's a hard thing to say to a first overall pick, we want you to go play in the American Hockey League. But I think you're in a position as an organization where you say, look, you're I. We finished 32nd last year, man. We finished 32nd. It has nothing to do with right now for you. It has nothing to do with you, bud. We're just taking our sweet time. It's an easy sell to put the kid in the American League to start. If his play remains underwhelming and say a guy like Shane Wright gets out of the gate strong for Seattle, mm-hmm. you think they, the, the Montreal 
media or their fan base will Good point. seriously question this pick in those first few months. And I'm not saying that that... They absolutely. <laughs> and, and they, oh, no question. Yeah, it's not even a question. No way they don't. No way they don't. But all the scouts are saying long-term, long-term, long-term with this guy, Looks right? Lot, it reminds it's me of Montreal. It ain't Jersey. I know, but they're saying we think we picked the best hockey player for their career, not in the upcoming season. But to your point, they're going to be squirming those scouts going, oh, boy, it's a tough start here. So, yeah, there's some pressure. Maybe he'll come out and tear it up. I don't know. He, it's uncanny how much he skates like Engvall. Yeah. Well, it's uncanny. A bit of a better pedigree than old. Well, yeah. But, yeah. Well, you'd hope. <laughs> he first. went first overall. <laughs> yeah. But he just looks so much like Engvall. He does. It blows so. my mind. The way he skates, lanky. It's kind of like you know, here, here, stiff here's but fast. The, here's the other problem with these top picks is that they almost judge their uh, – their self-worth or their importance based on, like, cookies and stats. Of course. They, That's they need, definitely a thing. They, they need – they're used to being the top player in every level, and they get their cookies, and then they come up, and the cookie jar is empty. It's not like the coach saying, oh, your 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 process is great tonight. You yeah, know? no Sla- slab. damn about their yeah. process. Slab, your process yeah. is awesome. Laying He's like, bed, please, about how great don't your process worry is. about those goose eggs beside <laughs> your name. Yeah. I remember having like a pregame nap and scoring a hat trick in my dreams and waking up and just being ruined that those goals didn't count towards my totals. That alone is a mindset that uh, those kids today have a little bit of difficulty grasping that, you know, they're, they're, we, are, we don't not, care about your stats. As, we don't care about They're not as good stats. in this league as they're used to being good everywhere else they've played. I got a lot of respect for guys who go to the league and. You know, like Zach Aston rescoring 31 times in college. How do you then go be a fourth line hitter without losing your mind? But he did it. You did it, Nick. I was going to say, Kipper scored 60 in the O. Yeah, no big deal. And then I figured it out real quick. <laughs> there ain't 60 in this league, baby. Better, better bring something else to the table. Well, I know it's asking your eye to do that, but they are saying in the first year, you got to figure out other elements of the game than the cookies. You know who else is going to have a, a pretty good thought on this? A guy that follows the Rangers uh, the yeah. last few years, uh, Steve Valaket. He's going to come up after the break, and we'll ask him about the development of, of a Kako and a Lafreniere and how that may compare to what Slavovsky's uh, facing with the Montreal Canadiens. Okay. That and more still to come, including marital advice for Sammy after the break. Toronto Maple Leafs, Montreal Canadiens. Get it all started tomorrow night. The Rangers get it going tonight against Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't like how good the Rangers are. It scares me. No Ian Cole in the lineup as he'll have a, I don't know, interview, I guess. I, I don't even know what it is. Conversation with Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, in the National Hockey League offices tomorrow afternoon we got steve aliquette or uh, is our boy sammy working on it he's chatting with him and he has his own interviews before he lets the guests come to air <laughs> he's, he's new he's new to the ring on his finger he's get, getting it worked out 
But I, I am honestly, I like you know, I I root for the Islanders. I'm unabashed in That's that. Okay. Yeah, I got. You don't have to apologize for that. No, I got a lot of reason to. The Rangers are really good, and the Oilers are really good, and it's not good. Not good if you're an Islanders fan. I just look at this Rangers lineup. You know, Kako's so much better than he looked at one point, and Lafreniere seems to be coming around. That Heedle's really good. You know, they get Trocheck to go as a bandage at Kreider and Panarin. They got so many players. Chris Kreider follow up. A stellar goal scoring year. Is there a way to say about whom I love? Adam Graves and. uh, No way. I mean, that was an insane insane season from Kreider. He scored a ton of power play goals, ton of tips. Let's bring in Steve Valiquette, analyst for the Rangers on MSG. Valley, how are you, pal? Kipper and Bourne, welcome back to work, fellas. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Uh, you've been at work for the last little while, or are you like us just walking in the door? <laughs> no, you know what? My summers are busy, Kipper. I'm on the ice every morning, two, three hours, training people, giving back to the state of Connecticut. Oh. I don't know about you guys. but <laughs> <laughs> nice. a drain on society over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> leaf expectations are, are around the clock here. Uh, didn't doesn't matter what season. Uh the Ranger one, I think based on uh, the success of certain individuals, there's a, there's a lot of people that feel like the Rangers' time is now. Is that fair? It's now. Uh, you just wonder about the start. Kipper, you've been around this game a long time. When you see a young group have a lot of success in the playoffs, you hate to think that they may think it's going to come easy. And there's 10 games in the first 21 days here to start this thing. And if guys start a little complacent, uh, that's where I'm a little nervous is is just get through the first 20 games because we know what happens uh, at Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving last year in the East. It was set with the exception of Columbus coming out and Boston going in. I'd hate for these guys to get off to a bad start. We saw it with the Islanders last year and they should have been in. We all would have thought they were going to be in. There's always a surprise every year. uh, You don't want to be that team. I just hope the Rangers understand how critical it is to get off to a good start. So they go to the conference final. The kid line comes around. You know, looking at this group heading into this season, I mean, this. The, I've seen many people pick them as the favorite in the Metro division. What are your thoughts on where they're at in terms of strengths and weaknesses? Well, you know, you just wonder, Borny, are they personally prepared? You know, I that's think it, that's eh? it. I mean, that's it, man. Are these guys... Are they ready uh, to a man? Because it's a young group, and how much fun do you have in the summer? Or how much do you think you have it figured out? And if you think you have it figured out, boy, oh, boy, this game humbles you fast. Uh, I felt it many times in my career. And I'm just hoping they don't look back on this season when it's over and say, wow, that was worst-case scenario. We weren't ready to go, and we learned something from it. It was a step back before a step ahead. And Kipper, you'd have to correct me if I'm wrong, but if you were on the 94 team um, the year before, and I believe you guys did not win President's Trophy the year before and then miss Missed and the then playoffs. win President's Trophy, yeah. right? That's right. So wow. you've, see, you've seen it, and uh, it's hard in this city, Kipper, as you know. You know, things start moving fast, and you're getting into places that used to be a tough door. The team's popular in the city. You know, look, I've, I've had a lot of fun here. Kipper's had a lot of fun here. Yeah. And, and you know what? I always felt like, Kipper, it hurt us because we party until 6 a.m., where if you played in Carolina, they kick you out of the bar. <laughs> 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 
You gotta, you gotta, we, 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 need to, we need to talk to the liquor license board down there. <laughs> it's the Rangers issue. Shut the doors earlier. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Let me ask you um, a lot of talk here about major decisions uh, in net for the Leafs. A major decision was to give a, a bit of a different look up front. Strom, uh, Ryan Strom ends up in Anaheim. He seemed to be a, a real good fit with Panarin. In comes Trocheck. Is he a naturally good fit? Yeah, he is, and I'll tell you why. Uh, playoff goals, net front, broken plays, rebounds. That wasn't. Oh, geez, one second. Hello. I'm just on the Kipper and Bourne show. I'll be out in 15 minutes. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> All right. So uh, have to be the wife. Know, that's, that's that's the late that's the late checkout trying to get me out of here, and uh, they gave me the okay. They knew about you guys. Thanks, pal. So, so here's the thing, Trocheck. Um, this is where the Rangers weren't great. It was just in front of the net. It was all of those broken plays and rebounds, the dirty goals. And it's amazing to me, and this is where I do like analytics, it, it sort of points you to the video of the player. And he had a 48% shooting percentage net front, broken plays, rebounds, screens. He's that type of player. Ryan Strom was not that guy. Stromer was more of a you know, hands guy, perimeter, making moves and, and setting up plays being available for shots, but I have to say Trocheck, I think will be a better fit for getting through season, but most importantly, getting through playoffs. He's more of that kind of guy. Valley, one of the things we were talking about uh, in the last break was Uri Slavkovsky in Montreal, the number one overall pick, obviously a big market like the Rangers and for a top pick to come into, there's a lot of attention and eyeballs and pressure. They've decided to keep him off a 32nd place finish. They're going to keep him up with the Montreal Canadiens, despite the the GM at one point saying a little bit of an uninspired uh, series of games. What are your thoughts on that decision and how it plays for guys like Lafreniere and Kako and now Slavkovsky? So we talk a lot about that here. It's a big point of contention. Um, would Kreider had been signed if they knew they were getting Lafreniere at number one? Uh, Panarin, picked up over the uh, summer in free agency if they knew they were going to have Lafreniere at number one. The left side's locked down. It's hard for him to get quality minutes. He's not getting any power play time. And, you know, it goes to Kako's conversation as well because it's been hard for these number one and number two picks to get into the top five or top six. And you're draft based on potential. That's why you're drafted. Um, players need to be put into a position to succeed and then when they succeed, they gain confidence. When they gain that confidence, that's when you know you have something in a particular player. Now, Heedle, Lafreniere, Kako, they were terrific in the postseason, as was Keandre Miller. So they did have some elevated time in the lineup where they proved themselves. But, boys, it's been like three years coming, and it's been hard. You know, and there's been many moments, and, and Kako didn't even play in the last game. He's a yeah. healthy uh, scratch. Game six versus but, Tampa Bay. Yeah, healthy scratch. And so now, I don't know, boys. I don't have a really good view on it from the Ranger perspective because their hands were forced. They didn't have anywhere else to play them. Um, now these guys are playing on a better team and all of a sudden quickly a contending team rather than a lower-placed team. But compare uh, Tim Stutzla to Lafreniere. I mean, this guy just got eight times eight and a half, and his play has not really made me feel like that's a deal that's, 
for a young player that hasn't really played at a high level uh, consistently yet. It's almost like, you know, I think about this with the new NHL contracts. You don't have to play that well. You just need to be suspected that you're going to play well in the future. And right. he had he had 60, and this is where it's interesting to me, uh, he had 60 high danger chances last year where he scored on 15 of them. So he's being put in positions all over the ice, whether it's fed on a breakaway, a two-on-one cross-ice pass. Um, Lafreniere, he only had 31 high danger chances, and he had 14 goals. Now, the way I look at it is that if you give those same chances to Lafreniere, he could have had 30 goals. But he's not going to get that opportunity here, and he's going to have to move to the right side, and he's not, for whatever reason, comfortable getting over there. And then, you know, I looked at this too, fellas. Um, I went back and watched his goals from last year. Ten of them were from the right side of the ice. So if there's any concern, it's just getting out of his own zone, board battles. I mean, Borny, you'd probably speak to that more than I can handle it. I don't know why some guys aren't willing just to switch sides to get more opportunity. We still tend to think of the Rangers as a young group, but Panarin, Kreider, Zibanejad, Truba, Trocek, all around 30 years of age. And uh, Kreider has to follow that season up last year, the, the 50 goals plus. Uh, Well, I think he is. Uh, He has a very good understanding of where offense comes from. A really good article that Larry Brooks had in the post yesterday, if you get a chance to pick it up, Kepper, uh, talking to Kreider and his money ball philosophy on probabilities and where goals are being being scored. Um, He's he's like a card counter at the blackjack table right now. And I think that with the lack of physicality net front, he knows how to get in and out and uh, reattack and come off the pile and stay in longer. Timing's everything. Um, but as far as this core, guys, this is a really good core. You know, you, you look at the core team, and you're saying, well, we're starting with Shesterkin and Net, and you've got Truba and Fox on the back end, Panarin, Zibanejad, Kreider. I mean, that's a five-man core that you can put up against anybody. So I'd have to still suspect that, they're going to take care of business. And look, you guys know the way the Leafs are, are built. And when I look at the Leafs, you know what I think of? Mm. I think of the guy that goes to the gym and just does upper body and never does legs. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I see that. the old piano legs. Uh, you know what I mean? The matchsticks, right? And, you know, that guy never lasts. But, you know, you got Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, and, you know, Riley, okay, but it's not Adam Fox. And then no goalie? I mean, I don't know. I, I just don't see it. Well, you know, when I look at, you know, you know what I'm saying. Well, that's what I want, want to talk to you about, Valley. I love that. You know, you mentioned no goalie. What are you, your thoughts on their decision to go with Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov? Well, ill-advised again. I mean, I know I was on with you guys, I don't know if it was January, when things were starting to slide with uh, Campbell last year, and I, I said that, look, you guys have two backups. I love Toronto. I'm from Toronto. Right. I want to see Toronto do well. Um, you still have two backups, you know, and you, one thing that I look at is guys, the pressure in Toronto, we know about that. And, uh, I would, and you're an analytics based team. Well, then why aren't you looking at Matt Murray and his lack of safe percentage when the score is tied? Like he struggles when the score is tied and that's been for four years and the game's gotten very East West. And I feel like, and this is an interesting one, too, because there are 1,134 more East-West plays in the 18-19 season than 17-18. And I feel like in those seasons since, his game's really dropped. A lot of goalies have had a hard time being able to adjust to the East-West game. And 
his is just one of them. It's just the way it is. Now they're knocking on my door. They want to get me out of here. <laughs> wow, that's really interesting. Uh, oh, yeah, Matt Murray? The... Yeah. And there has to be a sense that the Leafs are just a... I, I just five a, more a, minutes, please. I'm just on a radio podcast. Yeah, just this... <laughs> Are they okay with us? Get them on. Yeah, what do they think? What do they think of Matt Murray? We're asking everyone. <laughs> there has to be a sense that you know this isn't the Ottawa Senators for for Matt Murray. There, there has to be less East West. There has to be better backdoor coverage that he can yeah, come out and do his thing. Forsberg excelled in that environment last year. Excelled. Yeah. You know, like it's not like we're looking at a guy that. I don't know, man. I, I think it's very risky with what they're you know, planning on doing in that. And I don't hey, think Valley, this, is, this is Sammy's first show of the season, and you've already talked him out of Matt Murray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what well, does he know? Yeah, look, you know, uh, he's got the two cups, so you, you hope that he can figure it out. But I think the game's changed a lot since uh, he did win. One more, uh, just Tampa Bay and, and what you see. Uh, are they going to come in still tired from – their extraordinary run the last season or the last three seasons, or do you see a team that can still contend? I do. I think Palat's loss is going to be a heavy one to burden. Um, when you go back and see, I don't know if it's Coleman, Barkley, Goudreau, uh, you, know, you wonder if these are finally the bricklayers that get caught up and hurt you because as we know, the guys that paint the ceiling can get you far, but not through. And it's hard to reload every year. Um, I still wonder about the advantage they have being in a, a non-tax state, though, for the players and how much more money they actually get to spend. Uh, they seem to always find a way. They've got a stud in net. They've got a stud on the back end in Hedman. They still have a team, fellas. I mean, their core is still there. I mean, try and rate their core against the other cores in the NHL. You're still pretty confident to say they're going to get in and do damage. Uh, I just don't think they have the support team that they once did. And now the cupboards are bare and it's hard to restock. And that's one thing that Chris Drury did last year. He, he helped the Rangers without giving up too much because he knew it was the beginning of the opening of the window. Whereas now it's been what, seven or eight years that uh, Tampa has been able to make moves to bring those guys in that are available, that are always available at the trade deadline. And maybe you don't have the assets now that can compete with something that Drury is holding. We're going to let you go. Tell them you're coming. Oh, my you're goodness. Free. I'm, getting, I'm never going to be allowed to stay here again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing it. Jeez. Uh, all right, folks. Valley, thank Take you, care. buddy. Steve Ellicott, analyst for the New York Rangers. <laughs> and held hostage in a Marriott, apparently, or somewhere. I, that's an aggressive late checkout yes. behavior from the hotel. Are you it a late is, checkout? Do you well, automatically ask for the late checkout? It's 4.30. That's absurdly late to leave a hotel room, too. I just hate when you get to the uh, the hotel and they're like, your room's not ready. There's yeah. just nothing worse to hear that. <laughs> I don't know. Back when I used to drink a bunch, that was a great invite to go sit in the lobby bar and just get uh, after He's not feeling the love for Matt Murray. No, I would say he has very little mm. for the two backups that he says Toronto has. Yeah, it's I do that. recall, <laughs> it's a completely fair comment. I do recall a couple of games watching Matt Murray where post-to-post uh, uh, was a challenge. He made a post-to-post preseason save. That, yeah. That was pretty nice. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Well, there's just a couple games that I remember him on the Sens where I'm like, good Lord, this guy is awful. Well, yeah. Same here. Same with a glove a couple times. Like, oh, boy. So we'll see. You, just, it, you know, it's going to be one of two you, things. It's going to be reality immediately he's, or? He's, he's not going to see the quality uh, chances his team gave up last year 
this year. He's just, there's going to be less right. work. Well, just out of the sheer fact that Toronto spends yes. 60% of the time in the O zone and Ottawa spends 60% of their time in the D zone. Pretty simple right there. So the goaltending gets a lot easier just by not doing as much of it. But still nervous times for some of the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, decision makers. I All imagine. right. Um, saying that, you want to do some predictions? Yeah. We, we got mean, a few things. We got a couple of clips. We got our predictions. We, we got, got clips. Our, we got more clips. We got two clips still. Oh, my gosh. I had Kippers no Clippers on uh, Kippers' feelings about the season and the guys who miss camp. Do you want oh, to yes. do those before we get into the predictions? I don't know. You I, take I, over the last. Sammy, time. produce. Well, no, I do. I, I actually think the one clip about how people starting behind is very relevant okay. because there's a few guys on the team that didn't have a big camp, and we talked about it with Simmer as well. So can we get that clip ready there, DB? Let's make that happen. Uh, yeah. Not starting in training camp. Yeah. For Sandine, Engvall, guys have been injured and a little bit behind. Let's do it. For any player that misses time, you know, I would put Engvall in this category and, and to a degree even Rasmus, you know, they're, they're, they're a little behind. That's just natural. But uh, they're all good players in their own way. I think you wanted them to go out and have a, a, a sense of what, your, what the expectations are structurally and then try to keep their game simple and allow things to kind of fall into place, not try to do too much or make too big of a, of a statement in your first game. I think you just go out and, and do your job and do your part for the team. Sandine is among the most fascinating players on the Leafs this year. That whole thing was just bizarre. Hilarious. Bizarre. Well, I was do unlike, unlike you two guys. I was doing shows for three hours a day every day all summer. <laughs> sit out, sit out, sit out. Sorry, um, and then <laughs> we talked about it all summer, and he just signed the see, same contract. See your teammates go down, a couple of them, and then come back. I liked Simmer's point about like if you don't come back, and Victor Mete, Mete is just going to do what you do basically. So go get your job. And that's all it took was just having a Victor Mete in training camp to. Come back and get the same contract you were offered months ago. Which is interesting because it shows that you're afraid of a guy at that level taking your job, but you're asking for $2 million a season or yeah. whatever. Which guy do you think you are, the fringe NHL or the $2 million guy? And again, with training camp much shorter than previous years, including mine and Craig Simpson's, it's almost impossible to get off to a good start if uh, – if you're not in training camp, mm-hmm. and I don't know, I'm, it'll still be interesting to see if, if they do struggle or or they're able to kind of pick up the rhythm because maybe the team is so strong. But oh man, I go back to Nylander. Remember Nylander after his his <sighs> what was it? He signed December though. Yeah. I mean, it's a big difference, but. Man, was he bad to start that year. He really was. Most of the year he was bad. Most of the year. So I think for Tavares, it could be the start could be pretty sluggish. Because we talked about it last year about how we were worried about the pace with him and how things were slowing down. And now him, it was the oblique, right? Which is an injury you can't do a whole lot of moving around with. And, you know, we talked about his foot speed already. I just hope. I could see him having a pretty sluggish start. I, yeah. just, I just hope it's not one of those uh, recurring ones for him. Yeah. Well, he did say it feels like a contusion, not a strain. That gives me some hope. Mm. You know, I, I am fascinated. You know, Engvall also, that guy last year, you know, he scored 15 times. He had 35 points. 
he he's on a contract that's more than Callie Yarncroft. He's making $2.25 million this year. Mm-hmm. The expectations for him are not to just be fine, not to be David Camp or whoever. Like, they want him to play hockey this year, score 20 goals, kill penalties. That That seems like a pretty tradable contract to me. Yeah. If you're looking down the road at the deadline, they're looking to make an impact add for a forward or defenseman or whatever. That's a good number to include in a trade to help the cap situation and a guy that might have a little bit of value to a team, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. You can't see them getting rid of a useful guy no. unless he's, you know, only so-so this year. But one of the interesting names for sure. Do you think at at any point they, they miss Mikheyev or can Engvall come in and just kind of clean that up? Because like, is it Engvall who needs to replace Mikheyev or is it Yarncroc? I don't know. All I know is every time Mikheyev did something good, it felt like a bonus. And he did a lot of good things. He had an awesome season, but it was always like, hey, Mikheyev. He, he, he did get. The Cobra threw one in. From Sammy saying that he'll drive him to the airport to I'm just on February, the way back. March. He, he, he did get better. And the one thing is he always looked like one of the fastest guys in the league. Well, he was always engaged. I would say that the reason we were so complimentary about him last year is even when he doesn't get points, he's useful. Flying around. He plays. He's fast. He plays. He's fast. He's long. He's reaching as fast as McCabe. Oh, yes. 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 Okay, so. Engvall, to me, top 2% of the league in speed. Top 5%. He is very, very fast. So if he can... He can chip in with 15. Yeah, he'll get 15. I mean, he's supposed to get 15 at 2.25. It's not nothing. I hadn't thought of Ily Mikheyev until right this second. He was on the team last year. I know, but like I, I look at the lineup, and it's not like I'm like, oh, they're really missing Big him. Big hole. Yeah. Like it's, he was nice last year, but I would still – I'm just on my way back from the airport now. I just, I, I just <laughs> loved how fast he helped make the Leafs look. And their penalty yeah. kill was elite, and, and he was a big and part And with of that. Engvall, too. But their like PK is still going to be very good. Yeah. yeah. Their PK is still good. Marner and Kerfoot and Yarncroc and Kampf and oh. Abe Kubel and Aston Reese. they got lots of killers. So you mentioned Marner there, and I've just been on vacation. I haven't listened to one second of the show. What was Kipper's take on Marner defense? Did we, did did we, we even go that? over that? I'm I don't sure. know that we did. Yeah, talk well, about preseason if we skip that story. They were going to give him I, some run. Yeah, I've... I I think it's I don't know whether he just mentioned it as like a flyaway comment or he wanted it to to stick or or whatever. I mean, I would have just done it without mentioning it. That's just all. Throw him back there. So I was fully on board, not with him like, hey, you know, here's our lineup tonight. Mitch is playing D. But I love the idea. You're down three one in the third period. Yeah. You know, get your good hockey players on the ice more. I think for me, my first thought is I need to do this because I, I don't trust. The other five guys that I have. That's definitely an element of it. Mitch going back there is kind of a message to what's missing outside of maybe Morgan Riley. That's all. Right. And to be quite honest with you, the guy plays enough already. Mitch. He's not a horse. He's not 220. He plays enough. He kills penalties. Now he's got to play defense, <laughs> and you may measure him for pads no. between now and but Christmas. He's a, I don't know. I guess it's a few shifts where you say, okay, you're going to go play D, and uh, JT is going to play with Bunting and 
What's his name? Austin. He's immediately their best right-handed shot defenseman. Immediately. Immediately. He would get 75 points in his sleep playing D on the right side. I actually love the idea of, like, total hockey, like total football, like the Dutch used to do back in the day. Read my article. It's a fantasy. I would... Oh, you did an article? I did an article oh, on positionless sorry. hockey and Mexico how it's brain. just so not a thing. I didn't see that. I would back off the penalty kill for Mitch this year. What are you doing? Yeah. He's one of the best PK he's guys so in the good, league. Yeah, uh, I'm not saying that he's completely off of it, but maybe he's me. I just I, when I you're just, losing, he, he's a PK I guy. I just you just worry about making sure he's ready. I do he's think there's had, value in playing he, the score a little bit he's more. He's had great regular seasons, and there's something missing a little bit in the playoffs, and that just doesn't go for Mitch. No, That goes of, for uh, all the rest of you them. You want to save him is your point. I'm just saying, yeah. uh, you know, it's a long season, and he's not the biggest guy out there, the strongest guy out there. I just... Uh, listen, I get your point. And now I, you want to throw him on defense to boot. I, f- I feel this about, like, NFL quarterbacks where I feel like you pay them a lot of money to play football. Let them play football. If you need them to run the ball, run the ball. If, you, you know, if they got to take hits, well, again, it's football. I feel yeah. that a little bit with, with some of these guys where it's like, you know, back-to-backs, we're going to rest him. Well, you're paying him to play. He's great on the penalty kill. Elite. Elite, yeah, elite. Yeah, you're, yeah. Pass. They're human. I know. That's they good. break down. Know. They get worn down. They, um, yeah. There's. We know that the pressure of being in Toronto, all of that weighs in. Just give him the best chance to be the best yeah. when you need him the most. So okay? I, down I, a goal in November, uh, game six in the first round. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To Kipper's point, how many more games are they going to win if? Win or lose, if he plays like you know a couple less minutes a game on the penalty kill, probably not going to make that big a difference yeah, in the in the fair. long run. That's fair. Um, are things going to be different? Th- <laughs> are things going to be different this year? When you look at this team, does it feel different? They got different guys. We've been having this conversation. What's going to be different about this team? Surely things feel different this year. Let's hear what Sheldon Keith has to say on how different things feel this year. I wouldn't say it feels any different. Oh. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> start of a new 82-game season grind. Um, and when you look at it as an 82-game season, it can it can be daunting. So that's why you just, you know, uh, stay where your feet are. And, you know, today it's about practice and preparing for Montreal tomorrow. And you know, you're going to get on the plane, go out there, and then just take it a day at a time, look to build positive momentum and keep building as a group 82 games people ripping on us be where your feet are really really no different no sounds tired already be tired we need them for kippers <laughs> clippers <laughs> but take them off the pk we need more of them <laughs> maybe we, yeah we need to rest them rest keith are, he shouldn't play back he, to should, back he shouldn't go to montreal for the home <laughs> opener well, honestly though like ask you two guys are you feeling that like that, it feel different? Like, that it doesn't feel any different? No, it doesn't feel different, but if you're incrementally better than so close, it, you don't have to be different. They were good. They had 115 points. I'm just They were a, a, a you-know-what hair away from winning it in Game 6 against the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. OT. Lost 2-1 in Game 7. Maybe they, maybe, maybe they don't have to be better. Maybe they could just maintain 
And you look at yeah. Tampa Bay and um, McDonough's gone. Palat's gone. Uh, Ruda's gone. Palat's gone. Ruda's gone. We don't know about Ian Cole coming back maybe anytime soon, although we obviously had that discussion earlier in the show. Um, Boston. Yeah, they don't have Marshawn. They don't have McAvoy. They don't have so, Grizzlick. Florida lost a couple of great players. Their decor doesn't look that great. Huberto, Sherrod, Giroux, so, Marchment. Uh, they should be fine. Uh, they should be yes. able to the, the, maintain their the, level of excellence through Marner, Matthews. Cool bet line was 109.5 points this wow, year on them. high line. It's a high line. I know Dom Lucision's model has I'd, them at 117. I'd probably take over on 109. Just make, make the saves you're supposed to make. I hate that cliche, but... It's so true. Yeah, you don't just need to true. do any Hassock barrel rolls. Just don't let goals in from the boards. So Stanley Cup then, should we do that quick? Yeah, let's do it. Season predictions? Yeah. Well, I, I've got, uh, I got very good success for the Leafs, but uh, I don't have them in the East. <laughs> you don't have them coming out, eh? No, I don't. I also don't have them. You know why, Kipper and I, here's why we're leading with this, because Kipper and I know that we did we yes. our Sportsnet picks separately. We both picked the winner of the East to be... Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay Lightning. And we uh, we just found that out about a minute before the show. <laughs> and we both picked the Stanley Cup champion to be... Won. Tampa Bay Lightning. Didn't you really? pick... The, yeah. Yeah, I, did, I think I did. I, I can't remember now. <laughs> it's been so long since I sent it to... I, I also, out of the West, I've got, uh, you know, like everyone, a team from Alberta... I got Calgary doing it. Okay, I went back to Colorado. Oh, you did? I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sammy, what do you got? <laughs> well, boys, <laughs> I think the uh, in the West, I'll start with the West, I think it's going to be the Colorado Avalanche again. They're very I do. good. I think they're very good. I think the goaltending is going to be pretty much a wash after losing uh, Kemper. And I've never done this before. In my entire life. Yeah, I know where you're going. I literally have never done it. Oh, boy. This is the year. This is the year. There you go. Wait, you're doing it? I'm yeah, doing it. he's doing it. The Leafs are going to go to the Stanley uh, Cup final. Yeah, and I and wouldn't lift. expect anything. And, li- and lift Lord Stanley's mind. Oh, the show's so much better this year for that. <laughs> would not expect anything less. I've never picked them to win the Stanley Cup ever. Then you've never been asked. Oh, yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I can see it. The milk people would love it. Oh, my God. Milk it up, baby. <laughs> I'll be chugging milks all night. <laughs> just like you won a, like a F1 event. I just, I've, I'll stick with it that if they get past the first round, they get over that hump, nothing will get in their way. It's just the first okay. round's the hardest round. That's all I'm saying. You are not allowed to bail on them. I will never bail at ever. any point this season. <laughs> Listen, Kipper, if he's taking this we much abuse lose, and he's hanging in there, you, you know, you, 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 I'd rather you silent than bail on the Leafs <laughs> and your prediction. That's no. great, though. The show needed, and listen, I well, we're going to spend half a year with Sammy, maybe just not saying a word. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and yes, the start of the show and Brandeo. <laughs> listen, they're they're good. They're a really good team. They are good. And I think Matt Murray going to be, he's a good playoff performer. He may not be great in the regular season. He may be average in the regular season. The pedigree's there. 
uh, they get a save, they get a goal, something happens, puck bounces off someone's butt, they get past. I have the a very round. simple message for the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. Oh yeah, please win. <laughs> Oh, when is that from? I, t- I tweeted a video. What, 82 times seven. last oh, year. Yeah. No, it was game <laughs> seven. It was just, game seven. Just please win. Please win. Just That's all we need. That's great. Uh, Metro? Who uh, wins the Metro? Rangers. I the Rangers. Pacific? Yeah. Calgary? I, I have Edmonton. I have Calgary in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I win Edmonton, too. Yeah. We, we got all the same picks. Oh, we're smart guys. Uh, Central Division? Yeah, Colorado. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, nothing out of the ordinary, uh, no major. Oh, did you? So you had Tampa ex- Bay, though, to win the Atlantic in the regular season? See, no, I have Toronto. I have Toronto, I have Toronto, Toronto to win. I have Toronto to win the division. Oh, this this yeah. is no good. No. We're going to have to go through who, what we think of all the teams so uh, we can disagree on a few. Uh, who exceeds uh, expectations this year? I actually, I have Vegas. I think a lot oh of people gosh. think Ve- Vegas makes playoffs. Oh, they think we totally went the other way. What do you have? I've got Columbus. To exceed expectations. And then I've got uh, Vegas to disappoint. Really? Yep. To disappoint. Who did I have to disappoint this year? Ottawa Senators. Yeah? Is that... Oh, You think expectations have gotten too high? Oh, I have Florida. I have Florida to disappoint. I... Listen, there's few things that I would enjoy more than to watch the Senators not be good this year. Just the fans have been talking like they're the reincarnation of the Danny Heatley Alfredson (laughs) Sens. It's like... You see that decor? It's like Cam Talbot all of a sudden's a Vesna winner. Like they are gonna stink, and it's gonna be great. Oh wow! All right, we got a few minutes left. Uh, Sammy, you've been married for how long now? Uh, a week and a bit. A week and a bit. Yeah. No problems yet. No problems. Yet. Zero. Well, I mean, we've been together for fourteen and, years. And, uh, plus, so. Give him, give him some advice. Give him something that he can, you know, hold on to. I got two things as I get old that I've gotten older that yes. I hang on to. One of them is my wife and I will declare to one another when we're in a garbage mood and it's and just hey it, get out of the way. Like I'm in a garbage mood. It's not your fault. <laughs> Today's not the day. And then we just don't discuss important issues. We don't. And it's clear. It works. You get out of the way. Mm. It's a nice. You, and the other thing is is clarifying stuff early. Like like you like to do social things. You're a social guy. You like I to am. golf. Agreed. As you get older, you may have more dogs. Perhaps humans. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. And to me, it's everything's got to go in the calendar the second you think it might happen. You know, you, you and I talked about playing golf at St. George's. Yeah. I put that in our calendar four months prior wow. to it, actually, just in case. So my wife can't say I didn't tell her. It's on. If it's going to happen, it's got to be in the calendar. So declare things early. All right. And speaking of golf, I've got one for you. Oh, boy. Don't bring golf tees home unless you're prepared for her to step on them uh, hidden in the carpet. Oof. Is that a thing you do? Yeah. Just leave she, them around the house? I have I, they just everywhere. fall out of my pocket, and she ends up stepping on them. Just hating you? Hating me. <laughs> um, do you guys order food out a lot? Yeah, too much. Well, when she orders a salad, uh, be prepared to have her eat half of whatever you order. Oh, oh that is a lock. <laughs> okay. I feel like that's a standard that marital. Standard. Oh, yeah. um, when she eventually asks you to vacuum, um, if you have central vac, know where the plugs are in the house. No central vac. It's not 1998. <laughs> Um, socks. Mm. This is important one. Either uh, you pick them up off the floor Uh or kick them where she can't find them. I like that. That's a nice (laughs) move. Yes. Birthday presents for her. Mm. Off the list. Off the list. Yes. Shop off her list. No, 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 no. No, not to to be bought. (laughs) Not to be bought. Presents that should be off your list. Mm. Uh, A cookbook. Mm -hmm. A snow shovel. <laughs> yes. uh, Please tell me you did that. A scale. <laughs> yeah. um, 
Uh, and don't ever buy her clothes that stretch and snap back. <laughs> oh my God. I got it. How are we doing? Uh, doing well. I've done none of those things. I'll never do any of those things. Um, how was it a nice wedding? Honestly, boys, it was great. Yeah. It went well. Get uh, all the family in. It was really fun. Uh, it was incredibly overwhelming is what I'll say. It was really hard to fathom. Did cry? Did it, I did. Did it bother your guests that it was a cash bar? It was not a cash bar. Out <laughs> away, Sammy. That a guy. You knew it he just, would let us down. It just, I, I have regrets about not talking to everyone and looking back. And it's just impossible. It's absolutely impossible. But we had a great band. They killed. People loved it. Good food. Good speeches. Standard good wedding, I would but say. But you are now in full game mode. A thousand percent. Thousand percent. I can't. It's I, also honest, nice to check that off and be done with it because there's a lot leading up to it, and pressure and stress and planning. It's, it's funny. I have not like I was. It's all I thought about for six months. Yeah. And not thinking about it is incredibly relieving. It's freeing, and now it there's is. plenty of room for blue and white. Yeah, and they'll never let me down. <laughs> Let's well, go. We are we are glad you're back, me too. and we're looking forward to a, a great season. Our thanks to Craig Simpson, Steve Valaket. We are back tomorrow, game day. And YouTube this time for real. Yeah, what happened? I don't know. I Who think knows? YouTube just said, nah, man. I don't want those two. Don't want them. <laughs> Whatever. They get us tomorrow. They got us. Whether they like it or not, tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Back tomorrow.